Hi, everyone. I wanted to do a quick intro for this week's podcast with Jill Renee Feeler. Um, Before I get into the episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about the sponsor of the episode, which if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know that I, along with my partner in life, business, now baby daddy, we own a juice company called Raw Republic. Um, Another thing you might not know is that Evan has family in Italy that live and grow um, olives in Florence, and they make the most amazing olive oil. Um, It's really a special thing to make olive oil, especially the way that they do it, the old world way. They're not growing with any artificial pesticides or fertilizers. Um, So what you're getting is just super clean in this olive oil. And um, another thing that makes it amazing is that it, you, we know exactly where it's coming from. It's coming from their farm. Um, We know how they grow and it's, being shipped directly to us. So we're the only distributors in the United States. So um, we haven't yet shipped this olive oil. So we're doing a test and we're going to test it out with you guys, the people who listen to this podcast. Um, We're going to offer free shipping for a few bottles of the olive oil. Um, Actually, you only have to order one bottle, Um, but we're going to offer free shipping. And it's probably the only discount we're ever going to do on this because it was so expensive for us to get this olive oil here. Um, But it's amazing. And I swear, like when I was pregnant and I was just like needing fats and needing fuel and like right now I'm not eating dairy. Um, I'll talk more about that later. So basically my main fat source is from whole foods or meats, but also this olive oil. And I put it on everything and I'm not exaggerating. I just had a sprouted bagel with olive oil and it was really good. So the expectations of this olive oil, it's not bland. It's not like it's not like a lot of the things that you buy in the grocery store, which has no flavor. This has a very robust flavor. I recommend using it as a finishing oil. Um but it has that kick. It has that spice. Evan takes a little sip every morning for antioxidant purposes. Um, but I put it on top of everything. Like when I'm finished cooking spaghetti, I top it with olive oil. When I'm making a salad, obviously I'm using it as a base for dressing. I put it on top of fruit with a little bit of salt, um, bread, I mean everything, but it is best used as a finishing oil. So Um, If you'd like to order a bottle or two, this is, and you listen to this podcast, that's the criteria. This is the only place where I'm saying this this little trick. Um, Email me at Sheena at rawrepublicjuice.com. Subject, olive oil. And in the body, let me know how many bottles you'd like, your shipping address, and your Venmo. And I will send you a request and we'll send you the bottles without shipping costs, just at cost for the olive oil. Okay. And so now we're getting into this episode. I hope you enjoy. This is one of my favorite spiritual teachers. Her name is Jill Renee Feeler. She has a super super grounded approach to spirituality, which is super helpful for me because I have a tendency to get like very in the clouds and stay there for a while, just to try to avoid anything that's difficult here on earth. Um, She gives a really balanced perspective of keeping it real. And I hope you, I know you're going to enjoy it. Um, Reach out to me, let me know. And thanks for listening. You're listening to a fresh new podcast from the owner of the celebrity acclaimed Raw Republic Juice Bar and Wellness Center in New Orleans, Louisiana, Sheena Manina. Yes, that's her real name. This is Raw Talk with Sheena. Well, first of all, Jill, I've been wanting to connect with you and have a conversation with you since I heard you on Beyond the Ordinary with our friend John. Such an amazing show. And he's introduced me to so many amazing, connected, conscious people mm-hmm. and people who are really like yourself, just trying to support other people. I think that's really like the base level of what you do, if I can say that, is really just that you're, you're supporting people through your gift. And um, one, of the, one of the reasons why recently I've been really excited about connecting is because, um, like I told you, I was pregnant, and it's, it's really opening my perception to so many possibilities. I had been incredibly um, 
I, I would say probably ungrounded in my seeking of information for a long time. I think I was probably trying to find information that made me comfortable with who I was or the way that I acted in the world or um, the way that I felt that I could succeed in the world. It always skewed toward, you know, um, sort of that fantastical viewpoint. I would say, I, I do believe that I have talents that, that can make me successful in a grounded way as well. But that was challenging for me, you know, like even in school, like I didn't need to study. I could get straight A's, but it was incredibly stressful for me to attend and be consistent and all those things. So now that I'm pregnant, I'm recognizing like, first of all, you have to be okay in the moment. And through that, <laughs> that very monotonous day to day, you know, it's the slowest process I've ever been a part of so far. And so um, I've been thinking about you a lot because what I perceive as being a big part of your message is really opposite the fantastical, everything's going to be okay when you wish it to be. Um, and the world is going to be this uh, heavenly place where everyone is abundant. And so, yeah, I'd love for you to give your perspective of sort of your messages and how they've transformed over the past three years when I like mm -hmm. you know, first started tuning into you. Okay. Um, and I may go back even farther to the beginning that I wasn't a part of the metaphysical industry. I wasn't a seeker um, in a traditional sense, but I did come up with questions um, prompted by my sister-in-law saying, Hey, you should get a psychic reading if you're all stressed about what you should do in your career. And I thought that was just mm -hmm. the, for, and for me at the time, you know, MBA, you know, doing great in my career, but had a choice to be, um, it looked like a CEO of a green company, a startup. And it was really tempting. I am very ambitious and very type A in a lot of ways, but I also already had a young family at the time. My husband and I, you know, started their family late in our thirties. Um, so my, my introduction to the industry was really through me recognizing my really highly intuitive, naturally intuitive abilities that I hadn't really, it's kind of like I had the faucet there in the sink, but I never used that sink. Mm. Um, I did, but not intentionally and not consciously. And then I walk over to that faucet through an experience um, and I turned it on. And I'm like, oh my God, like this is, this is crazy. How can I do this? Right. It felt like it was always there, always available to me. But I ended up just kind of being curious and turning that faucet on in a psychic development workshop to understand some other things that were going on. Um, one of my youngest, well, my youngest one was demonstrating telepathy, um, which freaked me out as a very linear, mm -hmm. <laughs> logical, <laughs> analytical, strategic person. Um, anyway, so with those gifts, I was uh, led to share those gifts through readings. And then I realized I had what I felt like were global messages, things that I felt like I wanted, I think things that I felt the world would benefit from knowing that it seemed mm -hmm. like it didn't know. Um, so then it was called channeling. I was willing to call it channeling, but it was just kind of surreal to me because I was just led in a certain way. So at the beginning, I was also trying on some of these belief systems such as positive thinking and, you know, your guides can only hear you in the affirmative. So if you say you don't want to get in a car accident, then you're doing it wrong. You need to say it in the affirmative. And um, there were just some of the rules, <clears throat> excuse me, of metaphysical sort of teachings that I didn't have. I didn't read A Course in Miracles. I didn't have all of that background. I hadn't read all of these books. And I just wasn't a part of that world. So as I just casually tried on some of these ideas, I quickly realized, I don't think that's true. Like, I don't think it is true that, that our guides um, can, only, can only hear what we want and not what we don't want. That just seems that, I mean, to, at the time when I realized, like, that just seems actually ridiculous that they would have less communication ability than we do <laughs> in our human Right. Right. So, uh, like certainly they hear the mental process of yeah. going from the affirmative to the non-affirmative. Exactly. The idea of, <laughs> I can't hear you. She's saying something called not. Yeah. I don't know. Right. You know, it seemed just silly. And there were so many of those silly things, Sheena. So mm -hmm. as I, 
as I allowed more of my own sense of what is real and what isn't and what is true and what isn't, I just, there is just a slew of things that my community recognizing my gifts and wanting to hear what I had to say. And what about this show? What about that Jill? You know, that sort of thing. I just started noticing all of these to me, just silly things that are being uh, taught and being practiced within the new age community and within consciousness and within health and well-being um, and within philosophy. So it's a really wide range if you really look at it with a lot of crossover. So at some point within the last three years, I started to realize I was getting annoyed. The more I met these beautiful community members that had been dedicated practitioners for 20, 30 years, you know, I still, you know, I'm in my 80s now, Jill, and mainly more often like in their 50s, 60s, 70s. And I, you know, like, what am I doing wrong? I've been doing all of these things exactly as all these, the top teachers in the world have been professing. And I still don't feel whole and complete. I still don't feel connected with my, with my sense of soulfulness. I still can't hear my team. I still can't do this. I still can't do that. And I was like, something is seriously broken. And it started to make me mad. Not mm-hmm. at anyone in particular, just at the fact that we all deserve better. We yeah. deserve better than some of these, these teachings that have made into sacred, like religious dogma that are unquestionable and teachers like you can't, you can't doubt me, you know, so-and-so blessed me. Don't you know who I am? You know, sorts of attitudes. So I started to get angry. And about a couple of years ago, angry, I think in a righteous anger, a Jesus kind of anger, <laughs> Jesus in the yeah. temple, throwing at the table. Mislead these people, you know? Um, right. So I started to make funny memes, I think about a year or two ago, and those may have been some of the ones that you noticed. I'm not sure what you noticed, but I just let myself be just more authentic about what really bothers me about mm-hmm. awakening and spiritual teachings and some of those things. I had a spiritual rant that was probably about two years ago. <laughs> I've seen that one. <laughs> it's actually, I let myself, I do have, this, a, I think, a pretty good sense of humor. It is pretty cheeky and it does kind of poke <laughs> the bear a little bit. But yeah. I'm willing to do that because my main goal is for all of us to be able to see more clearly. And within some of those teachings, we don't see clearly. There's a lot of narrow-mindedness, narrow, mm-hmm. narrow vision. And um, I think some of the teachings and, and sub-communities actually foster that. And that's how cults are formed, right? right? There's a cultish sort of, I'm the only one that has the answers, is what this guru type of energy says. And you shouldn't listen to anyone else. Now, I guess somebody could say, well, Jill, you say that, though. I don't say that you should listen to anyone else, but I do say be cautious about everyone you listen to, including me, mm-hmm. right? I want everyone right. to think for themselves so that we're not misled and don't, I don't want to say mm-hmm. waste 20 or 30 years of our lives, but go down these really unnecessary pathways that don't lead where we think they're going to lead. Right. I Is think that, that the hesitation, for sure. <laughs> I think that the hesitation comes in when you, we sort of like put the responsibility or the onus on the seeker per se. Um, There are two types of people. There are people who are going to perhaps feel drawn to a particular direction, but may not be able to trust that intuitive sense yet. Mm -hmm. And then there are the people who might feel and hear that intuitive trust and just say, that could be, you know, nefarious um, parts of me or spirit that are guiding me in the wrong direction. So I guess it's, it really just comes down to, down to people are hesitant to trust their own guidance. Mm -hmm. And why do you think that is? I, Oh, this is so good. I wish I remembered which, where I wrote, where I put this writing, but there was a channeled message slash interdimensional communication, a level of myself that's beyond my brain that came through early on that human society has so many structures that from the very beginning, we are pressured and programmed, conditioned really to look to an authority instead of ourselves, parents, teachers, religious leaders, um, uh, community leaders, uh, obviously elected officials, 
So it, for any of us that, that feel more naturally compliant, that isn't a problem. But for some of us that feel the sense of, I think, you know, I disagree with mom or dad and I'm three years old, and, but I do want to play outside and I don't care if it's fast. That's by me. So what's ironic is that a lot of us almost, it's like we have this inner independent spirit, this sort of Mustang kind of energy that's a part of us. And yet it hasn't gone well for us in our lives at times. So there's this insecurity and doubt that naturally comes up of, but but when I want, when I did what I really wanted to do, that didn't go the way I wanted it to. So Mm -hmm. I can't trust myself. So then I feel like there's this subconscious motivation to look for somebody somebody whose life seems like it's going the way they want it to go. And then they're like, well, let me just copy them or maybe they're my role model now, right? So that's that can work well as long as that role model is also encouraging you to trust yourself and give you a place for that doubt. I have doubts. I have insecurities. I have moments in my day or moments in my life where I'm just like, I don't like, what, like, what, am I even doing the right thing? Like, what yeah. what's going on? Is this, is this really what I want to do right now? Is this really who I want to be right now, et cetera, even if I'm in a moment with my children or my husband or whatever. So there's this false interpretation, I think, of many people that if one is connected, if one is feeling guided, then they will have no insecurities and they will have no doubts. And I feel like insecurity and doubt is a healthy part of our human, our humanity and our human experience. Mm-hmm. I think it's good, especially in this reality to go, wait a minute, does that feel, does, you know, how is this going? You know, just reflection right. and pause and reconsideration of things that we may have been hell bent on creating. So I feel it's a healthy part, but somehow it's been stigmatized in, in a negative way. Well, it would, it, my interpretation would be that if someone portrays that sense of um, confusion or hesitation, then you might lose your credibility as a leader or you might, you know, then other people might be brought into your insecurity and, and then really it's hard to get back on your horse of, yes, I know I'm going in the right direction, even though I have these moments of insecurity or doubt. That's true. I agree with you. And I, I recognize that as a community leader and as an, an authority in different uh, new philosophies that I'm offering the world, that there is this sort of, there is this um, reflection of self of, am I allowing myself to be the authority figure I, I sense myself to be and I, I know myself as in this area without making that into an authority figure over anything that crosses my path? And I think that I've gotten better at that over the years too, because with my abilities, I do have access to information and answers that most people don't. But that doesn't mean I want to be the authority figure. That means I feel confident enough to offer my, my hopefully more than two cents on a topic, but not want that to be like the be all end all of answers. So some teachers I witness in the industry and some I know and some I don't know, but with my gifts, I can, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of assessment I have, let's just say, about individuals. Some are more comfortable saying, I don't know, or even thinking to themselves, I don't know, than others. And I definitely right. notice that. The other thing I notice even more readily is with client work, with coaching clients and clients for readings, that there are so many individuals that literally they ask Sheena, like, where should I live? And I don't blame them for the question. What it makes me think, though, is, oh, my God, they've talked to how many people that are like, well, definitely your team says you should be living in Phoenix. Where are you? You don't belong. Oh, absolutely. In absolutely. You know? And I'm just yeah. like, oh, the authority that is regularly handed over to these practitioners to me <clears throat> is mind boggling and highly disturbing. So as I've gotten more clear about, oh, no, no, I don't, their team, which is what I call their, their guides, their, their social layers, they don't even want to be responsible for the decision of where they live because we're the ones ending up where we live. So right. we, as the human should be that we should, our soulful energy should be in service to us, not the other way around. 
but in so many practices, this the the human has become in service to the guides, the higher self, the soulful layers, and it's completely ass backwards. And it's just wow. really, it's really sad. So think of all the teachers, and I don't want to say they've taken advantage of that. But there are so many practitioners that have gone, oh, great, because I do have better answers, apparently, than this person. They're a hot mess. And they're, they're really, you know, seriously riddled without over even the simplest of decisions um, of where to, you know, food, shelter, clothing. So, of course, I am more adept at answering their questions about these fundamental things than they are. Yeah. And the, the arrogance of that, the lack of sovereignty, the, mm-hmm. there's just a whole different way to approach that client where you can assist them in saying, I have an idea of where I, where I sense you'd be happy, but truly it is up to you. You right. can be happy. You can make happiness wherever you are. And it will be easier in some places than, than the other. But the main factor is you, not where you live. Right. Um, I think that you'd have a good answer to this, just tuning into what it's like to tune into a client during a client session. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're not only guided by your guidance or your team, as you call it, you're also, you know, your interpretation is also that you're tuning into the client's guidance team. So, you know, and, and I've been in this, these same situations as well, because I've done a lot of energy healing um, trainings and things like that. And it's like, I have insight that is true you know I can see someone's dog that had passed and where that dog was and Mm -hmm. and so I say that and it's it's affirming to me like oh wait I was given an answer that's correct so are all of my insights correct are all of my insights for this person correct and and is it correct to communicate that so Mm -hmm. you know tuning into what your client sessions are like and knowing that a lot of people are just coming out with these answers like, Oh, I'm seeing this house on this street in this city as being, you know, your, your place of happiness. Like how does it differ, you know, mm-hmm. someone having that affirmative answer versus mm-hmm. you sort of like still giving the responsibility to the client. Yeah. I, when I first started doing readings um, and I did them just kind of on the side as a hobby while I was still in corporate for like eight months before I decided to kind of go professional. And there was a woman that hosted uh, uh, psychic fairs, you know, healing fairs in my area. And I said, okay, can I do a reading for you? And, and you can tell me if I'm good enough <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. to start doing this professionally, including charging. Um, anyway, so when I first started doing those readings, you know, I would go home at night after a, a psychic fair doing, you know, five to 10 readings or something a day. Um, and I would lay awake at night just going, oh my gosh, I hope they didn't think I meant this when I said that. Yeah. I recorded everything from the very beginning. I was just glad to do that and hand them a recording um, on discs at the time. It was so funny. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> While they would wander yeah. around and come back and get their disc. It's so funny. Wow. But I would overthink it so much. And I literally felt what I know is my team, another layer of myself, which is very clear cognizant, just come into my, my presence, just go, are, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be sleeping. <laughs> Number one, you need your sleep. And what is this going on in your brain right now? And the way that, that we, I said it to myself from that layer of me was, it's like, you're trying to play both sides of the net in tennis. Mm. It's, it's ridiculous. All you can do is your side of the net, Jill. Mm-hmm. And I was like, fair. And it was humbling. Yeah. It was really humbling because I am one of those people that <laughs> always like trying to finish people's sentences. If right. I'm struggling with words, I'm like, here, let me run to your side of the net. I can help you hit this ball back. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, so what <laughs> you're saying, being on your side meaning only connecting to your guidance and what, what can potentially come through you at that moment? Including their team though. Okay. All I have control over is what I'm getting and offering that and then letting them decide to do whatever they will, whatever they want with that information. That's not my job. It can't mm-hmm. be my job. <clears throat> yeah. It can't even be my job what they hear. It can't be my job what they think they hear. Samson, you're okay. Um, it can't be my responsibility for what they decide to do with the information, including follow every, every advice I offer versus ignore all of it. Mm-hmm. 
All I can do is do my very best at being clear and honest and loving and wise for them as the practitioner that I am willing to be and enjoy being. Right. So is there a way that you can sort of prompt the session to basically describe what you're saying, but maybe in a way of, you know, I'm kind of the same way that you are. I want to fix things for people. I want to make their lives easier. I want to give them answers, make them feel good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this part of me is probably the same part of you that you were just describing. And so my initial thought is, you know, do you prompt them with the tools of understanding what truth is for them? You know, mm-hmm. do you give them insight to what that is? Like maybe a, a body feeling or um, a heart feeling, you mm-hmm. know, but that's something that you can mistrust as well, because if you're afraid of taking that next step, you know, potentially it won't feel resonant or positive. Right. So do you, do you have that conversation? I don't have that specific conversation unless it warrants it. So in all the readings that I do, I share for the first one third without any information from them. So I'm not an astrologer. I don't do cards. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not my way of uh, accessing my gifts. So I start every session with, um, in my own self, I'm saying, what, what loving, wise things do we have for this person today? is basically the the welcome map that I'm putting down. And then I I intuitively start sharing with words, obviously, uh, what I'm getting about that person and sometimes it's advice. But normally, rather than advice at the beginning, it's helping them see who they are at their soulful layers mm-hmm. so that they can naturally access it. Like, you're right, I am. I am good at being skeptical. And that is a strength. And mm-hmm. I, that's good that I have that in this reality. I'm getting the goosebumps as I say that. Anyway. So that's where I start. And then it's when, especially with the new client, when they start to ask their questions, and that's the second two thirds of every session is they get to ask whatever they want to ask um, or connect with a loved one or whatever their desires are. So when they start asking questions is when I recognize whether we need to have a bit of a caveat of, oh, I see that you're, I see that you're wanting to um, hand over your authority to your team. <laughs> right. slash me. Um, mm-hmm. And let me just, you know, FYI, like you don't have to do it that way. And it's really your decision where you live. And I'm happy to provide you the insights, but really the ultimate choice is yours. So I'll, I'll handle it that way, but I don't use, um, what is it? Muscle testing. I don't use that type of thing. Um, I don't, I know people that do, and, and I feel that they find it useful. So I know that there are tools like that. I don't teach them. I don't use them, but I'm glad that they're available for people. But I think in general, what I do advise, um, even in the courses that I teach, is that when we want to know the answer, even when I want to know an answer in my own life, there are so many times when I'm like, well, should I do this or should I do that? And I literally feel my team just go, I don't know, Joe. what do you want to do? <laughs> right. right. You know? So I feel like sometimes we we have different expectations than, than the way I find it really works. There isn't one right answer with the majority of things in our lives. So where we feel uncertainty doesn't mean we're not guided. It doesn't mean, you know, we're doing it wrong. doesn't mean we're not connected. It means we haven't decided yet. Mm -hmm. So that to me, takes so much of the pressure off because there, there is a high error rate of being, being wrong in this reality. There's so many things, <laughs> even as a connected individual that I've done, I'm like, well, I would do that again. Right. <laughs> you know? right. But it wasn't like my, my sense of my team, i.e. higher self guides, my extended layers of self. It wasn't like that layer of me was like, we could have told you that. It was just like, yeah, we weren't sure either. That's interesting. Because my philosophy is the future hasn't been set yet. I don't, right. my, my belief is there isn't a set destiny for us. There's a litany of choices and who and what we can be and who and what we are in any moment. And that's more about us and the choices we make. And there are, you know, there are energetic systems that we each have that, that bode better for some choices than others. I'm happy to help with those things, but it's, I don't, there isn't, I think we, we are too afraid of getting things wrong. And there's so many ways that our teams are like, what if you can't get it wrong? Cause the main objective is for you to be you. Right. And you're going to be you, whether you're making silly choices or the most amazing connected wise choices ever. <laughs> yeah. I love, love when you write about that, about being you through this experience of being human and really how that's our purpose. I love hearing that because it, it does take the pressure off of finding that one thing or that, you know, one person or that one expression. 
Um, which exactly feels so inauthentic, you know, as someone who I love being creative, I love, um, developing things. I love, uh, creating food and, and, but then I have, you know, I have many lanes. And as soon as I feel the pressure of the outside world or myself needing to only be that, to be good at it or to be super successful, that is when my soul, I feel my soul dying. Like that's, you're not just that you are so many things. Um, but something else that you were saying peaked, peaked my curiosity as well. Um, you know, I think when we are curious about this work, about psychic work, about consciousness work, um, we're looking at it to give us tools to elevate our lives in ways that we, we want to see it improve. And um, this is something that I see that you talk about a lot as well, mm-hmm. especially in terms of like abundance and occupation mm-hmm. and things like that. You're very grounded in that. I think I read on your website, you wrote, um, just go be a CPA and then enjoy your hobby on the side. <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious because no spiritual person says that. Every other spiritual guide, guide you know, that I is like, double down on that passion and you'll be fine. And that's not always the case, mm-hmm. especially if you're not, especially if you're not, um, if you're not good at being, or if you don't have experience being a business person <laughs> or the confidence to be that, or the other tools necessary to be that. I mean, there's, there's then no basis for you to succeed with your passion. The other risk that I'll add on to that, or maybe it's um, it's a it's a myth, is that our success, including financial success, is a hundred percent up to what each of us do, and that is that is so not true. That doesn't even make sense to me. Right? What do you mean by the by the this, career choice? Um, anything. So okay. I've noticed with some of my clients that are into the abundance teaching or even law of attraction ideas. Um, I've had clients that are uh, trying various things over the years of, well, I'm, I'm in this, this new program, Jill, and they're teaching me how to be a salesperson. And, you know, they guarantee I can make, you know, mid six figures every year. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, so it sounds like what they're telling you is it's all up to you to make 500 grand a year. Is that what, is that what they're telling you? <laughs> yeah. She goes, well, yeah, because I have all the right tools now. I've paid them for this training course. And I'm selling what this great program that they offer. So yeah, it's all up to me, Jill. And I'm like, oh no, 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 no. But I mean, let's really look at that. It, it, of course, it isn't only up to you. There's a whole bunch of variables you have no control over, including who says yes to the thing that you think is going to earn you. If I, you're selling something, you have to have a yes to all of the people that will get you to 500 grand a year. And you're making how much in commission? 10%? That's, that's a lot. <laughs> It's a lot. Five million. million. Yep. Five million. Five million in sales. So I'm like, okay, as it, anyway, so there's just a, there's a pragmatism to me. And I do think my MBA helps with that, but it isn't because of my MBA. I think people that would go get an MBA have a sense of realness Mm -hmm. and to them. Um, So I am a weird combination, but it's just, it breaks my heart, literally, that there are so many individuals that do have financial goals. Who doesn't? but they're led down these paths of myth and deception. And I don't blame maybe some of the deceivers, but I think a lot of the individuals that are teaching those types of things, I think they're misled. I think they're Mm -hmm. under a false notion. And it is unfortunate. And I've noticed this is funny. Um, I was led to watch um, Joel Osteen. He's the mega church teacher. Okay. 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 Evangelical teacher. And for some reason, I was listening to this one. I think somebody was critiquing it, another uh, ministry person. The abundance, the prosperity principles that are part of Christianity are also a part in many ways of consciousness and the the wellness space. This idea of, well, if we are doing, if we are being our humanness in the most evolved state of consciousness, then of course we will be financially blessed for it. So in Christianity, 
in in the Joel Osteen kind of world, it's well, if God, if you are if you are being a devoted Christian, God will sh- God will shower you with all the financial with meeting all of your financial needs. Mm-hmm. And it's, if there's a lot of similarities there between consciousness teachings of, well, if you are in alignment, if you're in the zone of right. your energy or whatever the words are, whatever the buzzwords are, then you will have, you will live in abundance and everything you want, all your needs will be met, all your desires, all your hopes and dreams will be satisfied in this reality. And I just want to look at that and go, where do you think you are? Right. <laughs> this is, I don't, right. Because I mean, my husband and I have been incredibly financially blessed. Um, his parents did, not, well, I think his mom went to college, but she she was more of a homemaker and then she worked at like an AT&T store, awesome lady. Um, his dad was an engineer by trade, but not by training uh, for a phone company. My dad has a master's, or I guess it would be master's, He's a, he was a pharmacist for decades and then retired. Um, my mom is intelligent enough to be a medical doctor, but she's not, <laughs> she didn't go to college. So we came from very middle, lower middle class to mid middle class kind of background. Um, and, and we would, when we were deciding our majors and all those things, we were very intentional about, oh, I want an economics degree as my Jill, but I couldn't get a job in that. So I added all these things. We have ended up through luck, luck, making a lot of choices that have gone incredibly well incredibly well. I wouldn't begin to pretend, nor would my husband, that we know exactly how we mm-hmm. have acquired and earned and created what we've created because we were making little choices along the way that ended up going well. We never would have known that. We couldn't have known that at the beginning. Yeah. Right. So it's frustrating when I look at so many individuals that are trying to decode other millionaires and saying, oh, well, they got it. What did you read? What's your daily practice? And I'm just like, that's isn't, that's not why we're successful. I mean, right. that doesn't, it's not, it doesn't work like that. And when I really listen to our friends and when we hang out, et cetera, or other, you know, highly successful individuals, we don't, it, we know that a huge portion of what we did is yes, our, we make good choices and we made hard choices, but we also were lucky. Mm-hmm. You can't make that into, you can't game that. Right. So right. Like, again, I'm just like, oh, it, it's maddening to me because I don't want anyone to be deceived. Right. Um, I look at it similarly the way that I look at the body and that, you know, mm-hmm. when we try to find reason for immense health or immense sickness and we are seeking and digging and digging and digging, there are so many factors that we'll never be able to pinpoint, you know, I mean, from trauma as a child or, you know, that, that emotional holding that you have about a particular situation from so long ago, there's, I mean, infinite numbers of factors that could be contributing to your health and or sickness. And so, you know, I have a difficult time, ever seeing, you know, A plus B equals C in terms of health and wellness. I think that it's all fair game in terms of improving your health and potentially, you know, destroying your health. Um, And that you have to use some of these same, you know, basis that you're talking about in order to achieve good health. Um, So, but back to the, the abundance conversation, the money conversation, do you think that there are fair personal development or spiritual development ideas that are necessary in order to sort of overcome, you know, your present state. A lot of people, for example, will say that you have to feel subconsciously worthy of what you're seeking. Um, and, and like you mentioned earlier, law of attraction, like just in terms of like, for me, like that's not even a part of the conversation anymore. It's such an old idea that's, that has absolutely no basis. That's, you know, even people who practice that in sort of like hidden ways, it's very obvious that like they're, they have to do that practice every moment of every day in order for it to be effective. And even so, like, it's not effective. And who wants to live like that sort of crazy person? Like, Oh, got to remember, got to see that blue Ferrari today. Like what? So silly. But, um, but do you think that there are, you know, particular subconscious practices or personal development or spiritual development practices that, you know, could support lining up sort of a leap for you? I, 
there is definitely a, a consciousness mindset component that can be beneficial. But I, I do want to be clear. I don't think it's required. Um, and I, I do look at practical examples of people I know, right? Some of the, I mean, my husband is incredibly successful. He's a CEO of a publicly traded, publicly traded company who started as a CPA. He never thought he would be CEO ever. Yeah. He is the most humble, uh, you know, just, he's just a, he's just a beautiful person who's always trying to do the right thing when nobody's looking amazing integrity. <coughs> And he, he has a, if somebody were to look at a mindset for success, his would not be it. Yeah. <laughs> He's incredibly successful in spite of having a very, I don't want to, it's not low self-esteem. He's just, he's not full of himself at all. He's not pumping himself up. He doesn't like gear himself up for an investor meeting or anything. He's not doing any like, yeah. any sort of, you know, intense breathing or anything. Um, he's just think, you know, I think if we were really in someone's head that maybe is more like my hubby, it's like, I hope I don't screw up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Not exactly, you know, <laughs> right. uh, what most of us would teach. But for those that that are getting in their own way, and we know there can be some improvement, who knows how much. I did do a series. It was called the Money Mastery Series about probably seven years ago, maybe six years ago, that did have some visualizations of like the bully in the playground, right? Of like, you know, you can't go past me. And the sense of, okay, you know, like, I guess I can't, you know, so yeah. kind of helping us on an inner child almost level, mm -hmm. realize where we have these stumbling blocks and helping us empower ourselves to feel like we have the choice of thinking better thoughts of our worthiness, our inherent value, our inherent wholeness and completeness that our brain sometimes doesn't operate from that loop. And some people have, you know, different wiring, like you were talking about to sort of tinker with more than others. So I think for the advice that I give my clients that are in financial scarcity, and especially if they're practitioners, my first question is, because I've already assessed, you know, how gifted and talented they are and, you know, that kind of thing, or not how, but what their gifts and talents are. And then if they're charging, you know, $15 an hour or something like that for, you know, a healing that helps somebody feel better, at least for the rest of their day, that's worth a lot more than $15. Right. So there is a mindset thing. And I, I've definitely benefited from my own uh, connection in that regard. I've had a lot of that inner dialogue with, with my own self, which I call my team beyond my brain um, about, okay, what is this? You know, which we price this at? Is it, and I like to use comparative things. Is it, is this the four seasons or is this, you know, crashing at a, at a hostel? <laughs> you know, what is the, what is the relative value here? What experience am I trying to offer so that I can have a reference point of that's the comparison. Is this, are you going to do a night at the four seasons or are you going to do a course of mine? that will benefit you for your whole life is the intention, mm -hmm. right? So I like to use real reference points about what people spend money on and what, you know, whether it's dinner out, hotels, et cetera, just really practical. What, what level star service are we at? And so that I can be pragmatic because it's hard to put values on the things that you and I do, Sheena, right? right. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Mm -hmm. Anyway, did that answer your question? I hope it did. If it didn't, Maybe no, ask. yes, I think I think you gave um, you gave sort of an, an envelope of just sort of saying, you know, you do need to look at where your consistent thoughts are and mm -hmm. what they sound like mm -hmm. and evaluate them in a grounded, pragmatic way. Yeah. Um, I just I do think that people get caught in that because as soon as you open that door, then there's a deeper you know, how do you go deeper into that wound and how do you, how do you find that trauma and how do you heal that trauma so that you can then, you know, be oh, successful? Okay. I have another, I have another approach that, that I find works really well. Cause I don't do the, let's go back to the trauma. What is the trauma? I'm not a trauma specialist. Um, that's, that's not my approach, but what I do, the reason I'm not is that there is nothing that needs to get in the way of our own sense of feeling whole and complete and feeling valuable and worthy in this life, nothing. So I think a lot of times we have this visualization of there is this idealistic version of ourselves 
but it's like a diamond in a pile of, you know, fall leaves. And we have to go through all of this stuff to get to that version of ourselves. And that is so not true. To me, to me, it's so clear that our most idealized self, our actual self-actualization, right, is like a book on the shelf. It's right next to <laughs> the version of us that can be wounded and have incredible mm. self-sabotage and just need incredible love and comfort every day of our lives. So it's not in the way of the other. We don't have mm-hmm. to go back to this. So that to me is a revolutionary philosophy of you don't, you can get in your own way, but there's there's other layers of you, versions of you that you can live and be and offer in this world and represent in yourself in this world that have nothing, to, not nothing to do with the trauma, but are not bothered by the tra- traumatized version of us, mm. right? And I, so we can get out of the way of our own, if you will, success, our own self-actualized individual. It's non-linear. Is mm-hmm. it a part of the whole system? Yes, but it's not. It's not. It's not first this, then that. Mm-hmm. So is the suggestion that you sort of lean into that part of yourself that alludes to more success, happiness, joy? Is that right. and is that is that bypassing? that part of you that isn't that. <clears throat> that's, I love, thank you so much, Shana, for bringing up that word. Cause that's a, that is a really important word. Are we bypassing it? And when I think of the, the little, I call them little Jills. When I think of my little Jills that were, you know, picked on by my older sisters or whatever, I have to, I have to, and I want to watch out for her. And I do have a free article. Is it okay if I reference that here? For sure. Definitely. It's called, it's called Which Voice Wins? W-H-I-C-H Voice Wins. And it's just Joe and I feel her. And then that. And in that article, that was after I first started sharing my podcast in like 2010 or 2011. I don't remember. But there was a version of Jill that was just like, this is, you know, we listened to the first one and I was just, we, meaning the expanded range of me. And I'm like, we can't do this. I mean, don't know what we're doing. This is scary. (laughs) You know, she's just freaking out. Yes. So I I recognized her and I'm like, okay, but there was another part of me going, but I want to do this. This is, this is fun. This is risky. You're right. But it's, I mean, we're able to say things that we really hope are making a difference in people's lives. And I know you're not comfortable with that, little Joe, but I, I'm not asking you to be. I will take care of you. I will reassure you. Um, and in the, in the Witch Voice Wins metaphor, I made her the most comfiest dream 10-year-old bedroom with a canopy bed, fancy princess. Every, she gets everything. I want to take care of her and let her know I know she's scared. And I, as my bigger, more expanded Jill, will always be there to say it's going to be okay. I will make it okay. I will apologize if we mess up. I will say I'm sorry if we screw up. Mm-hmm. And I will take responsibility for that. I'm not going to ask you to take responsibility if the other layer of me that really wants to do something risky and scary is going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Right? So to me, that's how I avoid the bypassing in a, in a negative, like damaging not not holistic way. I'm going to forget that I, I'm just not going to listen. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to kick out that ten year old Jill that's terrified and just go. I don't want to talk to you. You know, Harry right. Potter going on <laughs> right. You know, what I mean? <laughs> right. No, that, that doesn't solve anything, and there are problems with that. But just addressing it, recognizing it's there, but not letting it get in your way. Right. I mean, what you described is a very advanced form of inner child healing, from mm-hmm. my experience. You know, like. The, the people who I've done somatic healing with or shadow work healing with basically mm-hmm. bring you to that place of being able to interact with that inner child in such a way that you make him or her comfortable, that you address the concerns, that you acknowledge that it's fair to have those concerns and those fears, um, and then have a, a converse, an adult conversation with mm-hmm. that child that says, but we're going to do it for these reasons as well. I think that's beautiful. I love that. Um, it works. I know it works. And it's so much quicker, Sheena, because some of those wounded parts of us will never feel whole and complete. So my strategy is don't ask them to just give them the love and the compassion and the understanding that we can as the mature adult now that we weren't when, you know, whatever happened, happened. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. I had a couple of other things that sort of divert from the topics that we've addressed so far that I I was interested in your opinion on. Um, Are you noticing this trend of anti-new age 
to Jesus in the Bible? <gasps> oh, I just got goosebumps. Is this like, I've heard about Doreen Virtue. Is she an example Same. of that? Exactly. Oh yes. my gosh. Okay. So let me, let me think about this. I don't know anyone personally that's gone that way. Um, <laughs> There's a part of me that, that wants to say, Jesus was always in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I've always felt in sort of an alliance with Jesus and the Christ of consciousness and all of that. Yes. I'm going to be mm-hmm. bigger. I feel closer to Yeshua than I ever did as a devoted Christian, which I was as an adult. I was actually asked to represent the conservative um, interpretation of the Bible when I was 32 in a Methodist church in my area. They knew wow. a bit more on the, like, no, this is what it says, what <laughs> kind of version. Wow. That wasn't that long ago, really. And then within seven years, I was like, okay, that's yeah. right. <laughs> open these barn doors here. Um, that, but so no, I guess in general, other than Darina, I hadn't heard that, but I see the other parallels with, with conservatism slash libertarianism I mean, it's interesting that in the pandemic, the evangelical Christians sound a lot like the libertarians and the JPCers whom I've yeah. met twice, right? Um, you know, and that kind of, that's a very interesting overlapping Venn diagram there. Yes. So tell me, what are you, well, you're in Austin. Well, <laughs> yes, I'm in Austin. Um, and I don't know that they, my examples are in Austin. I don't know if that's, Yeah. Um, most of them are just people that I've been connected to for a long time, sort of in the wellness world. Um, some of them have had no, um, practice or, um, speaking on the spiritual side. It's been like a lot of their practice has been mostly nutrition. And so I've been following them a long time for that reason. And so what, what happened, what's happened for a couple of these examples is these people have felt, um, that it's, it's been a necessity to turn the dial on what they are offering and make sure that they've denounced everything outside of Jesus. So like, for example, if someone has talked about um, plant medicine as a form of healing for Hmm. a particular condition like PTSD or, um, or emotional trauma, they've, they've, denounced to that if they have sought channeling advice and have talked about that in the past they've denounced channelers um anything that they've connected to via numbers or astrology so they've gone back to every part of their history along their journey and a part of this is is the denouncement and the calling out of people that they feel are being um guided by demonic forces, one of which they'll call out as Metatron, which I know, I know you connect with him a Mm. lot. Um, And so I, I also understand this is, you know, I don't, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, but because I'm just seeing it a lot. And so I was super curious as to what your interpretation of it is. This is, yeah, I I just saw my team go, this is interesting, isn't it, Jill? And I'm like, it is interesting because (laughs) I can kind of, can kind of relate to what they're saying, right? I mean, I disagree when I happen, I don't, I don't study or, you know, pursue other messages of Metatron. Um, I feel a connection with Metatron similarly to the way that I feel a connection to um, Socrates, Aristotle, um, Pythagoras. I mean, there's just a lot of beings, their energy field is really complementary to what I offer and what I am as my Jill, but I don't feel that they're separate from me. I feel like it's a, it's ingredients in my pantry, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, that we all have access to and what I have access to. So I kind of get it that I can, I can, and some, sometimes I, Sheena, sometimes I dream of having a series where I'm literally listening to somebody else's message or reading somebody else's newsletter and going, okay, now just (laughs) my opinion. (laughs) Right. Breaking it down. Yeah. I actually did that recently and it was really uncomfortable um, with another, you know, channeler um, on YouTube who's like 10 to 20 X more popular than I am. So it did. And I understood that there was a part of me that could feel like, you know, just jealous to come across as jealous. And I just wish I had her. And it wasn't about that at all. And only, you know, 
if they saw that, they saw that. But anyway, I did want, I had a really strong opinion about um, anti the advice that she was giving and the way that she was um, proselytizing this idea of her opinion about a certain health choice. And I'm just like, oh, no, no, no. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to make your own health choice with different information, but not for those reasons. And I just wanted to call it out. And I did. It felt so good. It did feel really good. So there, it's possible that some of the people that you're talking about that have really said, okay, don't, you know, don't do this, don't do that, blah, blah, blah. It's possible that, that really theoretically and philosophically, I actually agree with them. Mm-hmm. I, I don't there's so much that's disempowering. I don't, I don't want someone to finally feel connected because they look at the clock and it says 11, 11. X number of minutes in a day. Did you not feel special and connected in those moments? Cause I'm like, okay, great. 11, 11, you know what I mean? Whatever. But there's just so much that's disempowering. It doesn't have to be, but there's so much about numerology, astrology, all, you know, I, I have a sister-in-law and I love her, but she'll go, well, it's because I'm, and I don't even remember what sign she is, but it's because I'm this. And I'm like, oh, I don't think we, you know, there's another way to look at this whole thing, right? We don't, our signs, we aren't the way we are because of our signs. We chose our signs because we chose our birth time and our birthday. So all of, and location and parent. So there's so much that we picked. So we chose those things because they offered us a platform. Anyway, so I think I would agree with them, but that, in my version, it's not going to Christianity or back to Christianity, but it may sound Christian. Mm-hmm. Is that because possible? Because I think it's possible because yes. okay. their their argument often is to come back to mm-hmm. that grounded state where, mm-hmm. you know, the um, that which is prized are sacred moments with family purity, mm-hmm. nature, God, and the mm-hmm. simplicity of that. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, I, given the way the, given, if you look at it as a spectrum, disempowered fantasy, you know, we're living in a Disney movie kind of end of the spectrum to, you know, an atheistic, non, even non-pagan view. There's a lot of ranges in the middle. And my sense is that we all benefit from a little bit of, of consideration of all yeah. ends of that spectrum and then making our own. Um, I like to listen to critics of different um, teachers and teachings um, through different podcasts that I listen to. Partly, I think it, it kind of shores me up in terms of what can I be criticized for? Not, not to make me in fear, but to make my make me even stronger in what I say and how I say it and being as clear as possible about what I am saying and also what I'm not saying. Right. So I benefit from that sort of anti counter kind of view. Um, But some people find it unproductive. I find it productive. I I agree with you. Kind of thing. I, I completely agree with you. I think the more that I've become comfortable with seeing my shortcomings or my blind spots, the more that I can either lean into, well, no, this is my belief. And the more that I can lean into, oh, okay, the way that I'm saying this could be perceived, you know, it's like certainly in my younger podcasting years, mm-hmm. the amount of times that I said, you know, this is the best thing ever. And this is the, you know, I was just so, I was so confident to stand behind a way and all of that has been broken down over the past couple of years. And, and at first it made me feel a little bit like shaky in myself. And now I just feel, wow, it's so much easier to be unsure and to, to present ideas with the possibility that they could be right or wrong for people. And it sort of like gives that responsibility back. Like I'm sure, like you were saying in those beginning sessions, it's like you wanted to be right for them. You wanted to provide good information for them. You wanted to take the responsibility of those things. Now that you've ah, taken the, the onus off of you, you can now just share and be who you are. Yeah. Yeah. My I love how you said that. And that's fun that we both have that experience. Cause yeah. similarly with me, there was a workshop I taught last summer and the last the last uh, lesson was how do we, how do we know what is right? 
And there was this acknowledgement of there, when it comes to philosophy and theology, we don't know whether, and scientific theory as well. You know, there's, we have a theory, (laughs) right? And we need some structure. So even when it comes to things that can't be proven, and this is a distinction I love to make, just because we don't know everything doesn't mean we don't know anything, right? So Mm -hmm. I feel like for all of us that are in that metaphysical, esoteric, operating in the mystery, like you're talking about, the mystery of someone's health, there's the luck of financial abundance, the mystery of financial success, right? There's so much of that esoteric, I don't, I, this isn't decodable, you know, really. There's a lot of luck involved and hope yeah. and faith and whatever. Um, there is this acknowledgement that I think this is right, but I may I may change my mind. We may have more information over time, but, but I'm going to be clear about what I think is right right now. And I'm going to be really diligent about being intelligent and rational and connected about my opinions and my views while acknowledging I might, I might change my, I might have better, I might have a better idea later on. And I feel like the Greek philosophers, that's definitely, I I feel like that's how they did it. I feel, I feel Socrates, you know, Mm -hmm. it was our our job to go. We think this this would work best for society. And then they may have said something differently for now. Right. Of course. He just said, of course. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, But how do we, you know, develop if not landing in something? Yes. Yeah. We have to have some worldview, right, Right. to operate from. And it's just not, it's no longer pretending that it is the worldview, right? And to me, that's been the biggest societally. That's been the, and I think maybe primarily in the U.S., we just have gotten so rigid and no, I am right. And anyone that disagrees with me is unintelligent, uninformed and idiots. And it's just like, Whoa, Oh, it's just so ugly. And there's right. a group of us that, and I did my 2022 prediction message is so much about this. There's all of us in the center that can see all the sides and go, well, I think there's a little bit that's right over here. And I see yeah. what you guys are doing. You've got some valid points, but I don't, I don't feel extreme in either way. Like you guys do. I'm yes. just going to do the best with the information I have watching it as new information, new data, new experiences, give me more, you know, to make me even more informed. I think something that I remember you saying on a podcast, maybe a year ago was that there, you know, a lot of new age channelers are saying that we're all going into this, this place of understanding and we're all going to have the same idea of what's right and wrong. And I believe that you, the example you gave was that we're actually going to have so many different opinions that no one's going to agree on anything, but we're going to agree that we all have different perspectives and opinions or some, something in that context. Is that correct? Yes, that's exactly correct. Um, so the buzzword in spirituality and new age is convergence that we're converging, literally converging <laughs> right. heard of that into one, into one pass. Right. And I was like, I don't, and this was another kind of like, I don't think that's true. And then the word that came to me is we're diverging. We're, we're offering more, 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 more pathways for being. And some of us are literally like in, we got the machete, we're making a new trail. Right. (laughs) In an ecologically friendly way. (laughs) Right. And really that's the, that is your teaching. That is you becoming more of your soul self is that acceptance of, much more possibility through you, within you, of you. Yes. What a, what a more holistic way for us to all ascend towards that divergence. Right. How much more fun. I don't want to conform with people. I don't want to conform with anyone. Like, I don't, I don't like people that much. I don't really like, I don't like being put into the same group. I like being an individual. I like the idea that, I can have all of these individual perspectives and all of those things can be right too. Yes. I, and as, I mean, as mothers, right, that becomes such a factor. My oldest one, our oldest one is 19. She's a sophomore in college and her major, she's in the Alders College, which is a degree. She's studying music as one of her majors. She's a violinist and then chemistry. Wow. <laughs> and every wow. time she's like, well, basically she says the music and chemistry, people go, huh. 
But some of my favorite, that was a big thing. When I worked at Hewlett Packard, they loved to hire people that, you know, yes, they, you know, were a marketing wizard, but they also were in the, you know, the Philharmonic. They played oboe or, you know, you know, a trained pianist, highly trained pianist or a hobby, you know, uh, they did, they were a gig artist as a singer or vocalist. They're just, they love that, that sense of range that, yes. oh, I'm not just this thing. Cause it, it showed a sense of self right. that was beyond one definition. Right. Right. What the authority said to double down on or just become exactly. Yes. I agree with you completely. Mm. I think that was such an empowering message to end on, but I do want to just offer if you, if you'd like to, um, give a message or share something else and sort of the ending. I'd love to offer oh, that. Thank you, Sheena. Let's see what feels like it wants to be said here. I would just recommend that I think what Sheena, by, Sheena and I have offered today is an example of practitioners that are allowing for the unknowns and allowing for the mystery we're not trying to look for a, form, a formula and we're not following a formula. And I would highly recommend that for fellow practitioners that are listening or watching this and for those that are seeking professional practitioners. Look for someone that appreciates the mystery and appreciates the unanswerability of some of our problems and some of our goals. There is more authenticity there and possibly more maybe transcendent wisdom and advice that they are making available for you in that experience and through their service. And that, I feel that's a very, unfortunately, small number of us. And I feel like you will benefit very much from it. And I would also express caution in working with or studying from an individual that is acting as if and talking as if Theirs is the right way. And there is no other answer. There's no other solution. Um, and that's just not true. They're lying to themselves in that case. And I think you deserve better than that. Yeah. Anything you want to add, Sheena? I think that was a good summary of our conversation for sure. Um, my emotional sense feels very at peace with that information and also expanded with that information, um, empowered from a place of groundedness. And I'm hoping that this next season of the podcast offers more of that. Mm -hmm. You know, I can definitely see the youth in, in some of my early episodes. And I, I hope that the sense of stability that I feel now in this moment in my life can offer some of that for other people. And I thank you for being a part of that message. Thank you for including me. It's always, I love connecting with you and this has been so much fun and I, I really am appreciative. Thank you. Thank you, Jill.